Hey, welcome to the third episode of Resilience and Opportunity. Mark Lamon here, recording in sunny Orlando, Florida. Today's May 29th, 2019. All right, so as I promised last week and in honor of graduation season, I'm going to share with you a short speech I wrote at the conclusion of my Masters of Sustainability program. Uh, The speech was for a competition that I did not win, so these words never really saw the light of day. However, the exercise of writing the speech really gave me a great opportunity to reflect on my education. Uh, I did not come by the world of sustainability through a normal path, so I had a long way to travel in a short time. Next, I'll talk about what has changed in the world of sustainability since 2015 when I wrote this speech, and more importantly, where I believe sustainable solutions and the companies and innovators that create them are headed in the near future. A lot has changed in just the last year, and I want to touch on that. Lastly, I'll talk about how sustainability is playing out on campuses all across the country, both in terms of their individual efforts on this front, as well as what they're doing to train tomorrow's leaders, innovators, and entrepreneurs to prepare uh, our country and the world for a rapidly changing environment. Before I get into all that, in honor of Memorial Day, I'd like to share a quick story about a good friend of mine, who we lost here at home just a few years ago. Eddie was a decorated Navy SEAL with several combat deployments to his credit, sometimes deploying to places that have no name. His qualifications included sniper and communications operator. Eddie absolutely loved being a SEAL. He loved being around other frogmen, and he loved doing the work that he'd been called to do. Eddie was a easygoing, unassuming guy if you were just to pass him on the street. But anyone who underestimated Eddie did so at their own peril. He was a fierce fighter, uh, particularly when it came to looking after his friends and his teammates. The Eddie story I want to share with you today starts with my wife and I asking him to watch our dogs for the weekend. When I say dogs, I mean a 150-pound Great Dane and a Rottweiler named Girlfriend. So as you can imagine, finding sitters for those monsters was a difficult task at best. My wife knew a lot of seals. She did not like all the seals, but Eddie was by far and away her favorite. The night he was watching our dogs, he finished dinner, and headed off to bed. He wasn't upstairs more than a few minutes, and he heard a huge crash. So he jumped up, ran downstairs to find the two knuckleheads fighting over an overturned garbage can. The two monsters decided to get into the garbage in pursuit of the chicken bones left over from dinner. Eddie, knowing just how much these two dogs meant to my wife, and rightfully fearing for his own safety, called the 24-hour vet clinic to find out just what he should do. The veterinarian let Eddie know that he should keep an eye on the dogs and bring them in if he saw any problems. You'd be justified in assuming that Eddie kept an eye on the dogs for a little while, perhaps even watched a movie with them, but ultimately going back to bed and wishing the dogs the best of luck. Not Eddie. Eddie put those two monsters on his bed and sat there watching over them all night until the next morning when my wife and I came to pick them up. 
I love this story because it captures perfectly just the kind of man Eddie was. Didn't matter if you were my wife, his friends, his teammates. No one ever questioned or wondered whether or not Eddie was going to be there for him. Rest easy, my friend. I came to Harvard after almost a decade as a naval officer to answer just one question. What the hell is sustainability? My long-standing impression was that the clever term was the brainchild of hippies and do-gooders bent on guilting the rest of us into recycling and buying something called fair trade organic coffee. You might be asking yourself, why would a military guy throw his lot in with the likes of whale savers and carbon footprint counters? Well, let me tell you. Most of my military career was spent facing the enemy, so I became pretty confident that I knew how to identify and resolve threats. It wasn't until a 2009 trip to Afghanistan that I first questioned that premise when I wondered, what if the most effective way to save soldiers' lives was not simply to increase enemy engagements? What if it was actually something stupid, like energy efficiency? Put simply, Fewer fuel delivery convoys mean fewer opportunities for enemy attacks. Yes, Divinity School graduates, a proclamation such as this by a combat veteran could be considered sacrilege. Harvard Extension School's sustainability program brought order and understanding to how I view sustainability. But I was surprised to learn that Harvard at large was on a similar path of discovery. Harvard students of all stripes are busy finding and bringing to fruition the unconventional ideas and solutions thinking sustainably proffers. T.H. Chan's School of Public Health and Medical School graduates understand that reducing pollution rates is the very best way to reduce cancer rates. Today's design engineering school graduates recognize that the job of making communities like Cambridge more resilient against the effects of climate change falls to them. Many of the newly minted Harvard leaders with us here today from such schools as Education, Law, Business, Extension, and Kennedy will develop what I believe is the most promising sustainability opportunity, women. These leaders understand that initiatives and cultural changes that build stronger women disproportionately build stronger families, communities, and nations. These Harvard women and men will develop this incredible resource first by shifting the public discourse about women's issues, they will start by arguing that there is no such thing as women's issues, since investing in women primarily as a way to atone for historic inequalities and indignities falls drastically short. Whether we are talking about saving lives by reducing pollution or addressing climate change, not maximizing women's opportunity to help all of us face these challenges is our greatest missed investment opportunity. Harvard's class of 2015 is poised to make the greatest contributions of all toward building a cleaner, prosperous, and more resilient tomorrow. They take with them an inherent understanding of what is required to build a promising future in a world that, as Thomas Friedman pronounces, will only continue to become more hot, flat, and crowded. The rest of us, slightly older graduates, spent years and quite a lot of money developing the perspective that these young Harvard women and men possess intuitively. So, today's takeaway is that the business of advancing sustainable solutions and initiatives falls to us all. 
We must take the baton from those brave hippies and do-gooders who have gone before us and build upon their teachings. Trust me, if a combat veteran can find his way to understanding today's new reality via a combat zone, then all of us can affect sustainable change on our own respective battlefields. Appreciate you taking that quick trip down memory lane with me. There's actually quite a bit to this short speech that we could get into today, but I want to leave most things at the wave tops, perhaps put a few things on the shelf, and really focus on the big takeaway I had from my time in this program. The idea that you could best advance sustainability goals by making investments in women came from a presentation given by a retired World Bank executive to one of my last classes. He talked about his 30-plus years of experience developing projects around the globe and working with local organizations to bring them to fruition. His key takeaway was that those projects he developed in concert with local women's organizations in the countries that he served outperform similar projects he developed with male-dominated organizations. He found that these women organizations really put the needs and wishes of their community before their self-interests, more so than their male counterpart organizations. My first reaction when hearing the executive's comments about making investments in women as a way of building stronger, more resilient, and therefore more sustainable communities took me back to a conversation I had with a USAID executive in a hotel lounge many years ago. His examples of how women in a particular country were carrying an outsized load for their communities was more on an individual basis than on a project development scale, yet the sentiment was the same. I wanted to highlight this idea that building stronger women disproportionately build stronger, more resilient, and therefore more sustainable communities, primarily for two reasons. Number one was the simple fact that I had become absolutely convinced that investments in such things as women's education and women's entrepreneurship offered a greater return on investment than what we traditionally think of as sustainable development projects. The second reason is the parallels I discovered between my own experience in discovering sustainability via Afghanistan and the idea that women were a great investment opportunity to advance sustainable practices and principles. I went to Afghanistan with the idea that the best way to increase combat effectiveness and decrease casualty rates lived somewhere between tactics, techniques, and procedures and equipment requirements and resourcing. I was surprised to discover that the real opportunity lied in rethinking the way that we manage energy resources in theater. It's something that I thought was peripheral to the actual business of combat turned out to be the missed opportunity that we've been looking for. So the takeaway is that whether you're looking to increase combat effectiveness in some distant battlefield or increase sustainable practices here at home, Sometimes the greatest opportunities are the ones that are perhaps seen as peripheral or completely unrelated. I'm confident that the world of sustainability is on the cusp of significant change in the coming years. 
even since I graduated from the sustainability program, I've seen incredible changes in the way that sustainable topics are covered and with the urgency with which they're being discussed in news and in our day-to-day lives. I consider 2019 to be an inflection point in the way we discuss sustainability, particularly as it pertains to climate change. I still struggle to understand why a topic such as climate change that has spent decades on the far reaches of the periphery have become front and center in everything from our politics to day-to-day conversations in such a short amount of time. Certainly, the increase of storms in just the last couple years has played a significant role. No longer do we discuss climate change in terms of Miami sea level rise and New York City sea level rise. Now we're talking about flooding in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're talking about whole cities being burned to the ground. 2019 is the year in which a broader audience has come to the realization that climate change will impact them where they live in the coming years rather than a threat that will play out in a distant land at a future time. One of the few good news stories regarding America's readiness to address climate change is that its universities and colleges have been quietly building out the academic infrastructure we need to educate the leaders and professionals who will be called upon to address the exigent threats that climate change and its repercussions hold for us all. My 2015 observation that today's younger generations benefit from a deeper understanding of climate change and its ramifications is just as true today as it was then. Today's generations understand and want to learn more about climate change as much for the benefit of their own future as well as their professional endeavors. Today's higher education programs will benefit from taking the knowledge that has been building in their sustainability programs and applying it more broadly across the school's other academic disciplines. No longer is it sufficient for engineering graduates to understand their trade from a historical context. They now need to be able to build tomorrow's infrastructure based on what the world will look like rather than what we wish or what it historically looked like. Today's doctors will no longer be able to depend on historics to measure health outcomes across the population. They're going to be required to get ahead of changes in medicine as diseases show up in places that they were never before present, as well as the potential for diseases to spread quicker than ever before. The future of sustainability in colleges and universities belongs to those institutions that fully integrate climate change and the impacts that it'll have into every aspect of their academic offerings. These programs will have a competitive advantage over those that haven't integrated sustainability into their curriculum as students become increasingly aware of this threat and seek out those programs that offer them the best opportunity to succeed in tomorrow's future. All right, that wraps up episode three of Resilience and Opportunity. Again, I'm your host, Mark Lampman, like a lamp and a man. Sorry for the dystopian black clouds that kind of hung over this 
episode. I'm still in the process of building out the foundational understanding of sustainability for the uninitiated. So bear with me as we continue to put more wheels in this cart. I don't know that we have any wheels in the cart at this point, but at least I have an idea where to find them. So we're going to keep pushing forward. Hope to put out another episode next week. Now focus on explaining the concept of uncaptured cost and what that means to sustainable projects. The short answer is that it's the currency on which sustainable ideas and concepts are traded. Please keep reaching out. Love hearing from you. I love getting your thoughts on what works, what doesn't, what you'd like to learn more about, perhaps what you'd like to learn a little bit less about. You're really transmitting in the blind when you're doing a podcast, so any feedback you have is greatly appreciated. Love to make course corrections and make this show as appealing and interesting to as broad audience as possible. Please do check out the website at R E S I L O P P. There you can find a lot of good information, a lot of it relevant to today's podcast, particularly in the blog section. All right, so I'll leave it there until next time. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode and look forward to talking to you soon. All the best. Bye.